0: Good morning and welcome to each one. It, uh, it was really good to just be here this morning so far and really enjoyed the singing, the sharing time, enjoyed the uh, message of the songs that were chosen. Thanks, Jonathan, for that. Um, I don't know if you locals here noticed a sign, one of the church, local churches, Nampani, and had a sign. And on the sign, I believe I have the, the correct phrase, but it says, do you believe in the cross? And um, I reflected on that yesterday when I drove past. And then the uh, song, the last song that we sang is, oh, now I see the crimson wave or however it was. Uh, and uh, the, the, the bottom line is, uh, I don't believe in the cross, but I believe in the work of the cross and in the person who hung on the cross. A lot of people put a lot of emphasis in the cross. In fact, they hang a cross around their necks sometimes, but it's not the cross that brings the blood. It's Jesus Christ and the work that he did on the cross. So I enjoyed those songs. Well, this morning I'd like to invite you to consider a passage of scripture that Jesus taught. I enjoy the teachings of Jesus, uh, particularly Matthew 5, 6, and 7. I was telling somebody recently, and I don't remember how old I was, I would guess I was probably 8, 9 years old, 10, maybe, I don't know. But at one point, my mother made us children learn Matthew 5, 6, and 7, memorize it. And uh, I'm glad she did. Maybe that's why it had an impact on me and still does. And I appreciate the teachings of Jesus because he is so straightforward, very practical. He hits on the subjects that are pertinent to us, and um, especially in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. So I'd like to take you there this morning. I've entitled the message, Amputate the Problem. I'd like to go to the passage in Matthew 5 and uh, read verse... uh, Uh, verse uh, I believe 29 and 30 and it reads like this if your right eye causes you to sin pluck it out and cast it from you for it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell and if your right hand causes you to sin cut it off And cast it from you, for it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. I have a question for the children. Well, first of all, let me ask the question. How many right handers do we have? Raise your hand if you're right hand. All right. How many left handers do we have? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, as I count, I believe. Okay, children, 12 years old and younger. Um, what percent do you think are right-handed, not, not just in this congregation, but sort of in worldwide? There's sort of a percentage that people put out there. How many, how, what percent do you think are right-handed and what percent do you think are left-handed? Who wants to guess? Whoa, do you know that? You're just guessing. Well, you're bang on. <laughs> wow, that's great. That's what they say, 90%. 90% are right-handed, 10% are left, or somewhere in that range. Now, I'm going I'm to tell you, no, I'm going to give you a word, okay? Same age group. I'm going to give you a word. It's a big word. And I want you to tell me what that word means, okay? Are you ready? Ambidextrous. What do you think that means? Yes, it means that you are good or can both use both function with the right hand or the left hand. Very good. And uh, that that there's there's less than one percent that are able to do that. Okay. They can get up, they can bat right-handed, they can, sw- they can swing left-handed, they can throw the ball right hand. they can throw the ball left-handed. They're good at both the left and the right hand. Well, Jesus says, he gives us two hyperbolic statements in this passage of scriptures, a Scripture, along with a double imperative. Now, Jesus was someone that did not often use exaggeration. But he did this time. And uh, there's a difference between someone who is always exaggerating or often exaggerates and someone that uses it once in a while to drive a point home. I remember years ago that my, my parents used to tell about the, uh, the, the man who had a problem with exaggeration. And so he went to the pastor. And he said, Pastor, I've got this problem, and uh, I, I, I exaggerate a lot, and I don't like it, and I've shed barrels and barrels of tears over this. <laughs> well, <clears throat> I'm sure he didn't cry barrels and barrels, but Jesus did use a hyperbolic statement And he wanted us to understand that he he exaggerated something to help drive home a point. And we want to talk about that this morning and uh, discover what all he was trying to say in that. All of us, every one of us in this building have something in common. What is it? Well, there's probably a couple things. Most of us have two eyes. We uh, and no, that's there's there's something else I'm thinking about. But all of us have some kind of problem or issue that we face. And the brother or sister sitting next to you may not struggle with the same thing that you do. But uh, but it. it we, we all have issues that we that we face that we that we that are a struggle to us, and um, that's what Jesus is wanting us to talk about here, or that's what He was talking about. Something that follows us twenty four seven. We we can't seem to get away from it. It, it. It's something that we've confessed to the Lord, and 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 we've asked the Lord to help us and and uh and, and before we know it, we may face that problem again. had a uh, man uh, years ago, when we were in Red Lake that when we, when we lived there, there was a uh, a man that uh, had a particular sin that he dealt with. and I don't know how many times we sat in our garage. <laughs> He'd come over and knock on the door, and we'd sit on, on a log and and we'd go through it, and I'd take him to Scripture and on and on and on. And uh, <clears throat> the same man um, grew up on the streets. And um, when he became a Christian, and by the way, he was a drunkard for, for much of his uh, young years and, and even into his adult life, quite a ways into his adult life. And when he became a Christian... The drinking problem left. It was gone. He was gloriously delivered from that. He said, I don't even, in fact, he was, he was loath to even be around someone who drank. <laughs> but there was this other issue in his life. He just struggled, and he struggled, and he struggled. And he said, James, I don't understand why God doesn't deliver me from this sin like he did with my drinking problem. Well, what context did Jesus give this passage of Scripture? Without looking in your Bibles, and if you have not read the previous verses, can someone tell me what context this passage was spoken? What was Jesus saying just before this? Does anybody know? Yes, indeed. That is the context. Ye have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks on a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So is this a subject about lust? Is this only addressing the issue of adultery or lust? Well, I'd like for you to think about what this passage is not doing, okay? Let's think about what this passage is not doing first of all, then we'll talk about what it is saying. Jesus is not only addressing the sin of lust, If I were to ask you this morning, and please don't, but if I were to ask you how many of you have been guilty of lust according to the definition that Jesus gave, how many of you would raise your hand? Don't go I mean, don't raise your hand. I'm just asking the question. See, Jesus did not overlook the problem, uh, right? And he, he did not ignore the problem that, that many face if you see, the, 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 the audience that Jesus had were so prone, they were so prone to, to, to do the right thing, to make sure that they followed the right law, that they, they swallowed, they, 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 they uh, swatted at a gnat and they swallowed a camel. That's what happened they did not realize that, that adultery is not only the action of adultery, but the motive behind it, the lust problem, is equal to. You have already committed adultery in your heart. <clears throat> and so he's hitting it head on. But he was not only talking about lust in this passage. Jesus is also not just addressing a male issue or audience. Although, probably at that time, I would guess, just given the culture of the Jewish uh, uh, culture, just the, the Jewish culture in that day, uh, the women were very domestic and uh, probably not out and about as much as what my guess would be, I would tend to think that his main audience was men and possibly why he used the verses that he did previously. See, he wanted to grab something. He wanted to grab a hold of something that was pertinent to the day and to the audience. But the message is not just to men. Or those with lust problem, the problem of lust. Was um, <clears throat> well, true that that lust does uh, tend to be a a sin that men face more readily than women. There are countering sins that women face that men don't tend to face. And um, I've looked at this passage of Scripture quite often, and I tended to look at verse 27 and 28, the first part, as the message that Jesus was really trying to get across. Now, certainly this was a message that he wanted to teach, but I think the emphasis is verse 29 and 30. He used verse 27 and 28 as an example to say what he wanted to say on verse 29 and 30 on the right hand and the right eye. The third thing that this passage is not is that Jesus is not teaching us to hate our bodies. When he says that we are to cut off our right hand or to pluck out our right eye, He's not teaching us to hate our bodies. In fact, Jesus, well, Paul, upon the authority of Jesus, uses a passage of scripture in Ephesians 5, uh, 28 and 29. It says, so husbands ought to love their, wa- their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh but nourishes it and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. Now, how many are left over when there's no one? No one. Yeah, exactly. That means everyone loves his own body. And what that means is we take care of our bodies. We don't purposely go and put her hand on a hot stove. We don't inflict pain purposefully unless there are other uh, uh, dis- uh, destroying issues that we are dealing with in our lives. There is created in the human, um, within, a, within us as humans the innate desire for self-preservation that wants to protect ourselves from danger and injury or death. We are created to live. When Adam and Eve were created in the Garden of Eden, they were meant to live forever. Sin separated that, took that possibility away. And um, we are sons of Adam. That's why we fight to live we, we, all of us. And so part of that means taking care of who we are and what in our, in our, in the bodies that God has given. And the fourth thing that this passage is not is that Jesus is teaching symbolically and not literally. Let me explain that. When he talked about the extreme measures that we should give, In order to rid ourselves of an offending member in our lives that causes us to be distracted from him or to time in our relationship with him, we see the exaggeration that he uses to get the point across. We say, whoa, Jesus really means he's really serious about this. He really means what he says. And so he touches on a matter that is key to us. Uh, particularly he used the, the subject of lust and adultery. Uh, but we can put anything else in there. And, um, and we realize that he is really, really serious about this. But the reason I say that this is symbolic... And not literal, it's because I can cut off my, my hand or I can cut out or pluck out my eye. If I have an issue with lust, I can pluck out my eye. Does that take care of my lust problem? No, of course it doesn't. I mean, unless God uses that, that experience to get a hold of us. But typically, that's not what takes care of the problem. So what is he saying? Well, before we do that, I want to talk about the significance of the right. I knew that this was something that was important. I didn't know how important until I began to study it uh, in Scripture and realized how many times that the Scripture uses or refers to something about the right hand, hand right eye, right eye right hand of God or whatever in scripture the phrase of the right hand is used or referred to over 160 times the phrase or refre- reference to the right side is referred to 19 times it's mentioned 19 times in scripture the right ear did you know that Scripture talks about the right ear? In fact, He mentions it several different times. What are the times? How, when does He mention the right ear? Think about it. You know, I'm sure. What happens? Yes, the slave, the slave who was who was who was a uh, who did not want to leave his master, and he was committed to his master. The law said take that slave to the doorpost and uh, actually I better use this doorpost and put his ear up to the doorpost and take an awl, a sharp pointed tool, and pierce that ear. And that was the mark that that slave was committed to his master, he could never be sold again. There's another reference to the right ear. What is it? Yes, Peter whacked off Malchus' right ear. There's another reference to a right ear. What is it? I bet you didn't know there was that many references, did you? There's two more, by the way, at least two more. One of them was when, when, um, when uh, uh, Aaron and his sons were consecrated. They were to, Moses was to dip blood and uh, put his finger in blood and and put blood on his right ear. And I'm not entirely sure what the significance was behind that, but that was part of the process of his consecration to the work that God had called him to Another time was when uh, a person would come to um, to, uh, uh, make an atonement for cleansing. And uh, they were to take olive oil and do the same thing. Dip it in, in oil and put it on the right ear. And so there's numerous mentions made about the, uh, the right ear. The right cheek. What are we supposed to do with the right cheek if someone slaps it? Turn the other, right? Uh, the, the, the sheep are on the right. And uh, what are on the left? The goats are on the left. Uh, when a blessing was imparted on someone what would they do? When uh, we see it with uh, some of the patriarchs that would bless their sons, what would they do? Or, and also put their right hand on their head to impart the blessing. So it was put on, used when, when uh, uh, imparting a blessing. And though not in scripture, no, sorry, this one's first, uh, Jesus will sit, uh, where will Jesus sit in the kingdom? In the right hand of the Father. And uh, though this is not a scriptural phrase, we use the term when we extend the right hand of fellowship, and what are we re- referring to? It's when we accept someone into the fellowship, right? And it's a, it's a sign of accepting someone into the fellowship. We're, we're extending the right hand of fellowship. And so there's quite a few times in scripture when, uh, when Jesus or, or, or other uh, references about the right hand. If you take your hand, take your hand, and I want you to do it, okay? And I want you to point right up here to this, to this word goat. Take your fingers, go ahead, you can do that. Point to that word goat, close one eye, keep both open and point to it first, point and then close one eye, And now close the other one and open the other one. Which one jumps? Okay. And there's science behind that. I'm not going to go into that. The other week, my wife was was making some grape juice, and uh, I don't know what happened. She isn't quite sure what happened, but... Uh, all of a sudden the end of that little spigot where the juice comes out uh, broke loose and grape juice started squirting all over the place and she grabbed it to try to get a hold of it and point it in the right direction and hot, steaming hot grape juice over her hand. And of course that's why it's all wrapped up. Uh, When I saw it later that day I, honestly, I nearly puked, and I typically don't get squeamish on things like that, but that time I did. Well she lamented later on, she said, "Oh, if only it wouldn't be my right hand." Why? Because it, it, it cripples her. It, she's, she's right-handed. Now for me, if it would have happened on the right hand, I would have said, "Good, because I'm a soft paw and a uh, so, soft paw. And, uh, and I, 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 it would have been OK. I want to take you back to the scripture. And uh, let's read this again. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you, for it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you, for it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. I'd like to wrap up the message with three points. When we think about what Jesus was teaching here and what the connection is to the right hand and the right eye and the hyperbolic statement that he made, if I were to ask you the question that you are required to lose your right hand or your left hand, which one would you choose? Probably everyone that raised the right hand when I asked whether, or the raise your hand whether, when I asked you if your right hand would say my left hand. And those who ha- were left-handed would probably say the right hand. So my point is this, that Jesus knew that 90% of the people probably, in that audience that day, were right-handed. And so he chose that side, wanting to drive home how important the message that he was trying to give was to the the hearer. So think of losing your right hand or your right right eye, particularly if you're right-handed. And what he wants you to do is he wants you to identify the problem. Identify the problem. That's the first step. What is the problem? Well, let's start with what Jesus started with. Is it adultery? Is it lust? Is the little little gizmo in your pocket, guys? And the free access that we have... Causing you to lust. If it is, men, it would be better for you to throw your phone away than to burn into hell. It's not worth it. <laughs> 40, 30, 20 years of being without a phone rather than eternity in hell? It's not worth it. Cut it off. Throw it away. Get rid of it. Or put some kind of, put some kind of uh, filter on it that you cannot access anything that would cause you to lust. Now, will that take care of your lust problem? No, my point is you get rid of whatever will cause you to sin. That's what Jesus said. Whatever causes you to sin, cut it off. Is it busyness? Is is that the thing that's causing you not to be able to get up in the morning in time to spend quiet time with the Lord in devotions and in prayer? Are, are, Are you one who goes from the alarm clock to the shower to work? Or do you have time in your schedule to spend that relationship with the Lord? If it's busyness, hey, listen, cut some things out of your schedule. It's possible to say no. And if you need to say no, it's okay. It's a lot better to say no to something than to burn in hell. If that's causing you not to deepen your relationship with the Lord. Is it greed or it's twin brother, pride? Is that what's causing you to stumble? Hey, listen, if it's greed, then do what Jesus said, sell all that you have and come follow me. And it's a lot better to get rid of it now than to lose your life in hell. Pride's the same way. Your image, is your image more important is it more important for you to look good in front of people and make sure that everything looks good in front of people than to be honest with people and be honest with God? Pornography. Gossip. Is that your Achilles heel? If it is, don't go... Don't go where that happens. If it means stopping making the phone calls to your friends, then do it. Why tear down your brother or your sister and burn in hell? It's it's not worth it. You got to get a hold of it. Oh, boy, now we're getting pertinent, aren't we? How much time do you spend on Facebook? And by the way, I have a Facebook account. It's, it's not that I'm anti-Facebook, but how much time do you spend there? Is it taking away from your relationship with Jesus Christ? If it is, get rid of it. It's not worth. It's not worth become a Facebook junkie and, and have your relationship with Jesus Altered or or hindered. Recreational pursuits, same thing. I'm not anti-recreation. I love, I love sports. Is it getting in the way with your relationship with Jesus Christ? And if it is, then stop it. It's a lot better to get rid of it than to burn in hell. (laughs) Self-righteousness. You know, some people don't even realize they have a problem. They're too self-righteous to see it. And of course, there's probably others as well. Movie addicts and that kind of thing. What is your right hand? What is your right eye? I don't know. And the brother or sister beside you probably doesn't know. But I'm almost certain that you know. And if you don't know, ask God. I am sure he would, be, he would love to tell you what it is. The thing that's keeping you from deepening your relationship with him, I am, I'm confident God would want to tell you. And if there isn't anything, praise God. But if there is, cut it off. Change it. The second thing, take extreme measures to remove the cause of sin. And by the way, initially I had the word source in there, the source of sin. Now, I I went back to scripture and I looked at what scripture says. Scripture says, if you're right, I causes you to sin, and so I changed it. Go back and remove the cause of sin. Whatever that is. Whatever's causing you to trip and fall, remove it. I know the list is endless. And uh, certainly changes from person to person. When Jesus addressed the issue of lust with his audience that day in adultery, um, he was not condemning the male sexual drive. That is God created. That's not what he was condemning what he was what he was driving at was that we think sometimes we think that lust is only a problem between me and god but that's wrong my lust can affect my whole family and my relationships it's not just about you and god <laughs> Most of these problems, these right eye problems or these right hand problems are not personal. Yes, they're personal with you, but it also affects many, many people around you. So take extreme measures to remove the cause. And lastly, what we want to do is to readjust the value system. It says that it is more profitable for you. Twice it says that. It is more profitable for you. So readjust your value system. I'm not saying, and I don't think Jesus was necessarily saying that you have to get rid of your phone. Now, let me explain that. If if this is the cause of problems, if you cannot readjust your value system with this phone then throw it away but if God gives you the grace and the grace is there to be able sometimes we're too weak to do that God's grace is there to help us be able to overcome any sin and and so tap in on that grace and that strength and readjust the value system, so that you will not be caught with the thing that causes you to stumble and fall. Paul had a really good grip on this. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 27, he said, But I keep under my body, and I think other versions use it, uh, uh, I discipline my body. I think King James says, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by some means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. That phrase keep under means to to beat black and blue, to smite so as to cause bruises and um boy, sorry. Livid spots. That's what that word means. Keep under. I mean, beat it into subjection. Do whatever you need to do to cut off what is causing you to sin. Let's pray. And Keith, I'll have a few clothes. Father, thank you in the name of Jesus that you've given us this piece of instruction, very practical piece of instruction for us. um, That. Puts us, helps put us on the straight and narrow. Uh, Lord, I would just pray your forgiveness for the times that we have not, that we've fostered those things that, uh, that will cause us to stumble and fall. Lord, help us by your grace and with the encouragement that Paul gave to beat our bodies and our lives into subjection so that we will not be a castaway. Lord, I will pray a blessing of grace upon every individual here today and ask that you would give us the strength and the ability to deal with the right eye or the right hand issues that are in our lives. We pray this in your name. Amen.